Hey, product bosses. Have you heard that we are doing a five-day completely free challenge starting Monday, January 11th? Join us. It's absolutely free. It's called Bestseller Secrets Challenge. Thousands of product bosses have gone through it and have transformed their businesses in just five days. We are going to help you lean into what is selling right now by teaching you how to look at your numbers, understand what your customers actually want to buy from you, and how to use your best sellers to grow a thriving business. So you aren't just throwing spaghetti at the wall, hoping something sticks. We want to help you pandemic-proof your business, and we are going to do it together. So go to www bestsellersecretschallenge.com. We'll put that link in the show notes to make it really easy to sign up. And if you have already taken the challenge, we are inviting you to go through it with us again. Your business has probably changed and this free challenge will really help you build a sustainable and profitable business. The Bestseller Secrets Challenge starts Monday, January 11th. It's five days of trainings and lives created to help you grow. Join us. It's totally free. Sign up at www.bestsellersecretschallenge.com. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlositap, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the Product Boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my magnetic co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitep. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. She's like smirking at me <laughs> for the magnetic. I was thinking you were going to say attracting of... <laughs> <laughs> Attractive co-host. <laughs> right? Which brings us to, you know, the idea of a mag- a magnet, right? It's whether or not you repel or attract people, which is hence the, you know, description of me. So how many of you have done a customer avatar or the customer avatar type worksheet where you're breaking down who your customer is, their likes, their dislikes, their age, where they live, what they shop for? Really, it's the traditional ideal customer avatar that a lot of people do in the beginning of their business. Well, as Mina and I have worked with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of small business owners that own businesses, we've started to see this this pattern. And we're realizing that the customer avatar is great. It is great when you're starting, but there's something you need to do instead, right? There's a different thing that you need to understand about your customer and their buying behavior more than she's a 35-year-old woman that has two kids, for example. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That exercise leads to clarity, but it's like, what is what comes from that clarity? It's hard for small businesses to get behind the action that happens when they find that clarity. So this is kind of us interpreting it for you so you can take some actions on it when it comes to what you put out there for your brand that will attract or repel the right avatar or the right ideal customer. Right. So we want you to think of this like this. And so your, your customer is one magnet, think like the horseshoe magnet and your, your business is the other magnet. Can those magnets come together and stick or are they pushing away and repelling each other? 
this is something that we need to think because what we want to do is your business, your product needs to be pulling towards and attracting the right customers. And so we're going to break it down into the five P's to help you understand whether you're repelling or attracting the right customer. Yeah. And as you start to grow, this is what I'm really, really seeing and why I think that this episode is so important is that people are attracting the wrong customers. So they get really far into their journey and they have all these customers. And then what happens? They start feeling like, oh, I need to cater to all these customers because it's kind of like a mix, a buildup of all these different personas, right? All these different personas. But they actually should just still be focusing on their ideal customer because you want to attract more of those ideal customers that you wanted in the first place, not the ones that actually came. So you want to be repelling people and you want to be attracting the right people. Correct. And so I want you all to be okay with repelling people. They need to, they need to show up and be like, Oop, this is not my place. I, I, this is not where I need to be. And that's okay. And I want you to always know that that's okay because it's the same thing. And, and it doesn't mean you can't get people on the periphery of it. So I'll just bring up Chanel again because I love to bring it up. There are some people who can buy Chanel all day, every day, right? That's probably mm-hmm. the ideal customer for Chanel. They could buy the bag. They could buy the clothes. They could buy the shoes. They could buy anything they want and they'll buy multiples of it. That's their ideal customer. Then the outside of that might be the person who saves up and buys one bag or somebody who buys Chanel perfume or, you know, there's, there's other things that they might do that are on the outside, but they are not marketing to the one-time purchaser. Mm -hmm. They're marketing to their ideal customer and the other people, if they fall within that or if they aspire to be the person who can own all things Chanel, they still will gather, they will still attract them as a customer, but that's not what they're doing in terms of. Um, that's not who they're trying to magnetize and pull in. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because, you know, if let's say that Chanel person saved up for it, you better bet that if there's an issue, you'll hear from that person, the peripheral person. You better bet. You better bet. And if Chanel, let's say they're a small business owner, hears from that person, they're the loudest. They tend to think they need to cater to that person when actuality, that person wasn't their ideal customer to begin with. Um, such a good point. So we're going to talk to you about the five P's that we want you to consider. Now, this is taken from, do you still have it pulled up? Um, no, I don't. This okay. is something I learned back in the day at my, you know, when I got, when I got my MBA, which was in the early 2000s, right? So very, very, you know, in the depths of my memory, but it was basically the Sometimes people have the seven P's, the four P's originated as the four P's and it was from a, um, I have it. I found a, it. like a Harvard article, right? Yeah. So it was E. Jerome McCarthy, a marketing professor at Michigan State University who refined these concepts. And then, and it was in a uh, 1960s, it was basic marketing, a managerial approach. So Mina brought that up because it could go as far as the seven P's and um, it's from a marketing standpoint, but we've sort of made it our own version for all of you product bosses. Cause it's the idea of, again, that are you attracting or repelling your ideal customer avatar? Mm-hmm. And I remember learning about this and thinking, I don't get it at all. Right. And as I started working with businesses, I felt like, you know, this is a little bit too nebulous. Like people don't quite understand how it 
comes up in their own small brands as they're building their businesses. And it is really, as we walk through this, um, these five P's, really think of it as a magnet. That's kind of the spin that we're putting into it. So you can kind of really understand how to, how to take action from this basically quote unquote avatar exercise, right? That, oh, I understand where disconnect happens and how I can attract the right people and why I should want to do that. Okay. So the very first P is your product and the process of production. So what are you selling? What is the product that you're actually selling? Is that what your customer wants, right? Are you meeting a need, a want, a desire Mm -hmm. for them? And some people sometimes think like, well, I make candles or I make jewelry. Like how am I meeting a need? Well, then there's a desire there, right? There's the, like, if someone wants a candle, they might be like Mina who loves candles and loves scented candles. And then the product is for her, but then there, obviously there's more involved in that as she make, as she's making her buying decision. Yeah. That's why we say no two candle companies are alike. It's because there's a difference to all of them in the way they're presented. They have a different packaging, different smells, different words that describe them. Um, so that's all in the product. So when you hold your product in your hand, What does it look like, right? What did it take to make it? It could be small batch soy candles that have these specific scents that are packaged in boxes instead of, you know, this. And, you know, that's why if if sometimes people try to come out with like a generic plain candle, well, it's not going to happen, right? Because then it, it doesn't stand out from the crowd, the way that people stand up from a crowd is that they have their own spin on something. So what is your spin on that product? Because no idea is original, but what is your spin to it? Why are you bringing that to market? And what was the process that brought you to that? And is it attracting the people that you want it to attract? So if you have a generic white label, let's say it attracts a whole bunch of people. That's a given. Doesn't repel anybody because nobody's going to have... <laughs> nobody's going to really care, you know, that much. But if there's a specific candle that you come out with that is a tangerine, I know, whatever scent, and it has certain packaging to it. And it's inspired by, I don't know, like the Greek gods and goddesses, for example, let's just pretend. Okay. Then that will repel certain people and will attract certain people. That's when you know you're on the right track because you know that you'll attract the right people if that's what you wanted it to do. Okay. So I have a really good example that Uh some of you may remember. Okay. So let's just think about Apple computers, Mm -hmm. right? How did Apple break away from the pack? You know, how did they go from PC to Mac? I know this. It was that one commercial Mac versus PC. It's the versus. It is. But even before that, because we're children of the (laughs) nineties. Okay. Okay. In college, I don't know, you're a little bit older than me, but not Mm -hmm. by, you know, but in college, everyone had the iMac, the bright colored Mm -hmm. iMac. The kids that I thought were the coolest were not the ones that had like the black screen with a big hub underneath the desk, which was me. I had that. But like the girl I shared my dorm room with, she had the iMac in like the blue color. Uh Uh-huh. And all of a sudden it was the breakaway, right? So it was still a computer, but the design of it, the packaging, the, all of the things that came with it was the thing that then, you know, now we're iPhones are because they keep being innovative, but they bring color into it. It's the Mm -hmm. accessories that go with it, right? The, the add-ons to it that make it really innovative with, I have a phone that charges by just placing it on something instead of plugging it into a plug. So it's all of that. That's part of the product that makes it 
that attracts a certain customer to you or would it repel a certain customer? My grandma wasn't buying the iMac. Right. So I love this example because Apple is really, to their core, they're innovative. They're Mm -hmm. creative and innovative. So their ideal customer appreciates that about them. They are probably the creative and innovative people that appreciate and and kind of, um, you know, hold that as a, a big value in their life. Innovation. Well, mm-hmm. if, if your grandma doesn't appreciate that because she's probably just like, oh, you know, it's just a blue thing, blah, blah, blah. doesn't yeah. really matter. You know, when the, was it called the, I, uh, what was that? The one that makes the music that first came out. Why can I not think right now? The um, iPod. The, mu- the one that makes the music. <laughs> the iPod. The iPod actually disrupted the whole entire like tech community, industry, right? Yeah. And the yeah. music industry, all of it. All of it. And the idea of streaming music and, you know, taking it with you and all those things. How so, long did it take for your parents to throw away CDs versus you, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. And they, and they keep disrupting it, right? So there's right. a lot of us that love that creativity and the innovation. There are some people that don't that might gravitate towards something that's more PC oriented, right? Mm-hmm. So that is a great example of attraction versus repelling based on the product alone. Right. So some things to consider when we're talking about the product, right, is the design of it, like like we, like we Mina said, or what it's made out of, soy wax candles with cotton wicks versus a good scent, but we don't know where the candles are from. Because you can do it either way. It just depends on if you're the customer, right? Does it attract or repel the customer? Mm-hmm. Um, technology or innovation or the way that you're making something, like we... Um, from the small business directory, there was somebody who was making products out of a 3D printer. Does somebody want that? That would attract a certain kind of customer that was super excited about that versus somebody else who knits blankets or makes quilts. Mm -hmm. That also attracts a different... So your technology or the making or the process is different. Um, Is your product useful? Does it meet a need? Does it meet a desire? Does it grant like make a, a wish? Like you make body cream that helps babies with eczema well, that's a need in the market, right? But mm-hmm. then you make body cream that smells like, I don't know, cinnamon and marshmallows. Well, the need is that I like body cream and that smell is something I desire. Right. Um, also, a good example of this is um, when you think about processes, it's Emma Jean and Co. I actually did an unboxing. She does natural skincare. She's in the directory and she's a pharmacist by trade. And she came out with a natural skincare. And the words that she uses, like when she does the small batch clean skincare, is like she'll bring out the jars. And the second part is compounding. She actually compounds the different natural materials when she puts them in the balms and salves and all that stuff. And then it cures and it's, you know, packaged up and ready to go. So that is an example of attraction or repelling, right? There's a lot of people that would value that, but there's other people that wouldn't. For example, with little labels. So my process basically for the customer is that it's really easy for them to write and seal. But what if I instead said, these are 3D model labels that you can do whatever you want um, by buying this 3D machine and labeling each thing, right? It's a different, it, but you get the same label. Let's just say, for example, well, it depended on if that person was attracted to the fact that that is a high, super high tech label versus a super simple, easy to use type of label that I created, right? Well, I think it even even simpler than that is write on labels like yours mm-hmm. with marker versus someone who pays for customized labels. They could like 
put in the kid's name and they get printed and sent to you. Yeah. There's a difference even, even there of someone who's like, for me, I'm an easygoing mom that I'm like, eh, just these labels are great. I can write whatever I want and put it on. And then there's people who are like, no, it needs to be printed in a very certain font, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's two different customers. Yep. Um, the other thing, like you said, like with Imogene, it's the, the packaging of it uh-huh. all, mm-hmm. um, the brand of it, the photos that go there, right? Like, am I attracted to these photos or am I repelled by them? Mm-hmm. Um, do you offer some sort of warranty to it or some sort of, do you, you know, is it such good quality that it won't break or that you've fired this clay X amount of times that it, like it doesn't chip off? Mm-hmm. So all of the stuff that's around your product and the process of your production. Ooh, what I have another example too. Um, Lodestone, Greg. So Lodestone right. candles, candles. He makes candles. Okay, this is a good example because we talk about candles all the time. But it <laughs> gives you an idea of whether or not he's attracting or repelling the right customers. So when he makes his candles, he uses amber glass jars that he he gets made to look in the amber way, but they're very heavy. So when the customers get them, they feel them and the glass actually feels very substantial, right? Also, his labels are all letterpress. So they have that, um, their small batch lettered press at a mm-hmm. print shop. Um, I don't know if they're local, Tim, but they have that raised, you know, letterpress feel to it. That's on all of his labels. Right. And then um, all of his words and his um, descriptions and the titles of his candles are very rich and deep and um, luxurious. And, you know, they fit a certain avatar that either gets drawn to him or is like, that's not for me. Right. Right. Because maybe she's someone who's, I think his candles are $38 or, you know, they're in the 30s. Mm And maybe it's someone who's like, no, I just want a pretty smelling candle. They don't care about the, you know, it's in a clear vase and it has a printed sticker. Mm -hmm. Right. It reminds me of like people buy books certain ways. Sometimes people want the hardcover or the leather bound, you know, the wraparound leather. That's kind of like lodestone in my mind, right? Mm -hmm. The journal that has the leather cover that wraps around and has a, you know, a quill feather, you know. Pen. Let's yeah. just pretend, okay? Because a lot of his has like manner, I feel like, feeling. Yeah. And whereas there's some people that have like a journal that's like a spiral notebook and, you know, pops of color, for example, mm-hmm. you know? So it is about whether or not you attract those people that value that. And if they're raising their hand or saying, no, that's probably not for me and I can find it elsewhere. Right. And, and again, there's no right or wrong here. It's just making sure that you're aligned with your customer, right? Mm-hmm. So right. you may Greg be- Greg doesn't want those other customers, right? Right. And you may be the candle company that has printed labels and, you know, a, a lighter weight glass and it's about the scents or, you know, it's about the sayings on the candle or whatever it is. And that's okay too, or the journal, right? Like the, uh-huh. the girl who wants all the journals- Mm-hmm. You know, and the person who buys, you know, the like you said, the leather bound that they could do the replaceable, like what is it, the hand tied paper mm-hmm. into a journal that opens up. We all have right. different wants and desires. So that's product. So the second P to consider is the price. Yeah. So this one is an interesting one. And it has, it's rooted in the fact that we all have a tolerance for how much we're willing to spend on certain items. And it lies very specifically to you as a consumer. So for example, I bet you anything, Jacqueline has a higher tolerance for me than skincare, you know, because 
the thing that she always waits for is skincare. Like I hear her talking about how she's buying all these different things for skincare. Whereas for me, I have a very high tolerance for when I'm paying for technology. You know, like IMAX, I will just buy whatever, whenever for my children, for myself, for my family, for my in-laws, for my grandparents, right? And so that is for me. But like, for example, when we're talking about my labels, my mother-in-law just thinks my labels are the craziest expensive things you've ever seen. They're $8.99, you know? And then she's told you to your face. Yeah. She's told me. Yeah. Like who's going to buy this at this price? You're like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Right. But the, but I'm not trying to attract her. She's not sending her kids to daycare. She's probably not organizing or labeling. She is not. She's quite the hoarder. She's not organizing anything. (laughs) So, you know, and then the people that I want to be attracting are the ones that will make me, will help me keep going as a business owner. So you actually want that magnet. This is like the magnet check of it all. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, so you could have the same exact two candles and price them differently. And we talk about this with our masterminders a lot of times because sometimes we'll tell them raise the price and they've raised the price and sold more at the higher price than the lower price. Because again, who have you been attracting? What is your product? Who does it attract? Um, one of one of our students has really low price items, like really low price. Like I feel like cheaper than if I were to go buy kids uh, jewelry, for example, this person sells adults jewelry and it's cheaper than kids jewelry. Now the person, let's say me as the consumer, right? I buy gold and so, you know, I buy, I don't necessarily buy costume jewelry, um, all the time, but the, the person that's there is like, well, is there something wrong with this mm-hmm. being, you know, so cheap? Let's call it like $5. Is there something wrong with it? Because that's my perceived value as a customer. I am not her customer. But then if there's somebody else that comes like $5, this is amazing. This is exactly what I want. I will buy 10 of them. That's the right customer for them. Mm-hmm. Or they may realize that they actually, they're, the look of the, of the product and all that, it's all attracting actually maybe a high, like a higher paying customer. And maybe the thing that's off with them is like, if she raised her price on her product, she may actually sell more because maybe everything else about the business is attracting um, a higher paying customer. Mm-hmm. And, right. And that comes to price. Yeah. It comes down to price. So let's say they're, they have their wallet out. You've attracted them because they're like, look at this brand. Let's take for instance, Emma Jean, right? This brand is so beautiful. But if it was $5 and I'm paying for natural skincare developed by a pharmacist, I would be like, whoa, what's happening here? You know, this doesn't seem to reinforce the type of customer that she's attracting. So mm-hmm. then you put your pocketbook away because you're like, oh, wait, that's the thing that's stopping you, you know, is something feels amiss. Right. The same thing with price goes to even like discount pricing, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll put even the, the type of pricing. We've talked about this. How many of you have seen things that are like nineteen ninety nine? right? Nineteen ninety nine sometimes feels like a cheaper product versus if it was $21 or $20, right? The, mm-hmm. the perceived pricing 99 is discount. 99 cents store, 99. Even someone telling you $99 is less than a hundred, which for people's brains is like, oh, I'm kind of getting a, a deal at 99. Versus if you all start to look at other businesses and products out there, especially when it comes to apparel, let's call it, if it ends in 97 or 98 cents, that that is not as discounted. Or you'll see also in pricing, like, so let's say we have a product that's 
70. Okay. So or $69, $69 is cheaper, but if you go to 72 or 74, 78, those numbers seem like they're more expensive and it's just a couple dollars. So mm. as you're also thinking about your pricing, it's also, like we said, it's that perceived value or that number and what the customers kind of been modeled to understand about pricing based on the market in general. Yeah, for sure. And do not DM us about pricing because pricing is literally a in-depth art. We teach it how, in our course. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not something easy. We're like, oh, that's, you know, this is an exact science and we can tell you off the whim. It really is thinking about consumer behavior and all the different things and testing things out. So there's no, you know, solid black and white here. But in general, as consumers, we're all taught to think, oh, 1999. Oh, that's, that's like, I almost call that $19 because I round down at that point, mm-hmm. you know, they round down and, and price is also some, it's like the overall sacrifice a customer is willing to make for your product. So I might be willing to make $99 purchases all the time, mm-hmm. right? Under a hundred, great. 10 of them just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm somebody else might have to actually save up $99. That's expensive, right? So mm-hmm. what point does your customer say, oh yeah, easy. I'm going to add multiples or this is easy. I'm going to buy it when I run out and I'm going to buy more of the skincare product. Or is it like, Ooh, that's a steep buy for me. Either I'm, I'm not the right customer or I'm going to save up, right? Like the Chanel person that saves up to buy the one, but it may not be the the, or they might be waiting for the discounts or the sales sort of thing. So yeah. what is the sacrifice? What, how, what does it take to get them to part with their money for your product? Yeah, that's the threshold thing, right? So you'll see people who, um, for instance, I'm just going to give an example of our courses. There's some people that have to save up for our courses and some people that can just buy one of our courses. Sometimes they have to ask their husbands. That's a threshold thing. What is it at the point where you have to just, you can just make, make, purchases left and right if you wanted to, or the point where you need to actually consult your spouse or your partner. You know, that's an example of threshold. Also, there's times when people will add a product to reach more people. So for example, they'll put in a low ticket item or a low um, cost product thinking it's going to reach more people because everybody wants to reach people with a lower threshold supposedly. But just remember, this is the attract or repel thing. Once you put in a lower ticket item, you're attracting people that have a lower threshold of paying stuff and they're not willing to go up to a certain amount that you want them to a lot of times. Right. So like Nordstrom's rack versus Nordstrom's, do you have it where you are? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have Nordstrom's? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think. So (laughs) Nordstrom's, see? Oh uh, yeah, I do shop at Nordstrom. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so there's two people. It's Nordstrom's. It's the same umbrella, like big company Nordstrom's. They'll have their sales yearly. They carry, you know, designer brands. Like you go there and you're paying a premium to shop at Nordstrom's most. And it's, and they offer the things, right. But you're paying a lot of money for it. Then you have Nordstrom's rack, which a lot of times carry some of the similar products or discounted products, but they buy on their own. So they might have things that feel of quality that Nordstrom's, like a person who aspires to shop at Nordstrom's would want, but at a discounted price. So there you're attracting two different people. But if you had the Nordstrom's at the mall, like the Nordstrom store, have like this discount bargain section, 
all the time, you would now be pulling people in to walk into the store that are just coming in for the discounts. Because you know, on sale promotion days, people will come and shop because they're looking forward to the sale. But if it was an all the time thing, now you have people in there that are looking for sales, needing more things, um, asking if this is on you know sale. They're, they're a different customer versus the one that goes in there now and is shopping while like the guy plays piano and they're mm-hmm. walking around with their expensive latte and they're, you know, they're willing to pull their wallet out and buy because they're getting the customer service. So yeah, I so, love that. Yeah. So think about that, right? Because we're all different level consumers for different brands. So you can even think about your own tolerance for price and the expectation behind that. And it's it, pricing is very hard to determine. So don't feel overwhelmed by this at all because it is normal to be um, unsure like what the ideal price is. Also, um, talking about Nordstrom and talking about the holiday season, us as a general consumer is used to seeing sales everywhere during the holiday season. So it is normal for Nordstrom not Nordstrom Rack, to have sales just during the holiday season even. So it's just not all the time. But like we've talked about Tiffany's. Tiffany's may never have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't get to wait for the yearly sale at Tiffany's. It just, that doesn't happen. That's something that they've established. Another thing I want to say about price, this is like from a coaching perspective. I don't want any of you to say, I have to lower my price now to bring in the right people or I need to raise my price. This is not, this podcast maybe isn't the way for you to work that out right now. And I mean, we do teach pricing in multi-issue machine, but what I want you to just consider is, think about it. Okay, oh, looks beautiful. This product is exceptional. Am I pricing it right? Is it attracting the right customer? And you can play with it. You can ask your community. You can ask other people. Um, and, and sometimes like if you work with us, we'll encourage you to raise the price. I don't think we've ever told anyone to lower the price. Have we? Mm, I don't think so. Typically I feel like people don't price their stuff correctly. They usually need to be adding more of a margin, but you know, it it could be that it's even just like a dollar if you have to bring it down because maybe you are like $101 and it would sell better for $99, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just play with this idea. Yeah. Now the third P which is actually the third P is place. Yeah. So place and placement is basically where you're selling, where there's seeing your product. In traditional times, this was out at the store, right? Now it's also online where they're seeing you. But just the, the thing that I want you to think about is that if your customer is a certain type of customer and they see your item in Target, would they, are you devaluing your brand by being in Walmart? So I'm actually in Walmart and Jet and Amazon, but I don't feel that it devalues my brand because they're labels. Now, if it was a natural skincare that fit better with Target, I probably would not go racing to Walmart because it's a different type of customer. Uh, well, you can even just go back to the Nordstrom's yeah, versus right. Target customer, right? Certain skincare companies you expect to buy at Nordstrom's. Mm-hmm. behind the counter. The person's trying all the samples on you. There's that customer service. And then there's the target stuff where you've heard about it. Generally, you're, the, the buying decisions are different. Like the customer may not need to try it. It's cheap enough that they can buy it, take it home and use it without having to rub it into their skin and then test it on their eyes and all that. Um, and so, but like you said, Target, and I think Target's changing their model a little bit. Target sells across the board. Mm-hmm. Millionaires shop at Target, and people who are not millionaires shop at Target. Everybody, because mm-hmm. they because it's convenience, they can get stuff. But they also probably go to certain areas of the store 
to get certain things that they need. So they're probably attracting different customers to each section as well. Yeah, because they're a department store that has groceries, right? They're uh, superstores. That's the word. They're actually superstores. So you're not a superstore, though, as a small business. So you want to be attracting the right people to your brand and placing your products in front of the right people. You know, so placement is a really big deal because it considers distribution. Do you belong on Amazon? Right, like we, I, I bring it up a lot. Like I say wedding mm-hmm. dresses because it come from my part of my background is working in wedding. And, um, you know, the woman who's buying the $10,000 wedding dress is not buying her wedding dress on Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, but somebody who's buying sort of like an off the rack uh, pre-made dress that's maybe under a thousand dollars, maybe might even buy it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, maybe there's a good return policy in there. They can go get it fitted by somebody else to fix it for them. So, or you might not buy a wedding dress on, on Amazon, for example. I've never met a girl that has so far. But we've but, all, all been in binds. You never know. Like, oh, you know. I would have been. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on a previous episode, I've talked about my wedding. Um, so, so when you think about placement, the other ideas is your customer there buying it, right? So if you sell something super expensive, but you want to sell it at a farmer's market, is your customer going to this farmer's market? Is their wallet in hand as they roll up to this farmer's market thinking they're going to buy fruits and vegetables and flowers? And then all of a sudden you're trying to sell them, I don't know, gold bouillon. I don't know. Something like, <laughs> something really expensive. They're uh-huh. not prepared to take their wallet out and maybe make an investment right then and there, right? It might be the first time that they see you. They might have to like follow you. They might have to make decisions longer term. So you have to think about, or or if you're selling online, or I've even told certain clients not to worry about Instagram because their customer wasn't on Instagram. Maybe their customer's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Are you selling online? Do you have a brick and mortar? Where are you selling? And is your customer wanting to buy what you have from where you're selling it? Yeah. And I would say, especially with Amazon, because Amazon is is such a monster in the whole buying experience that they, they're kind of like Target where they get a lot of everybody based mm-hmm. off convenience. And mm-hmm. so I would say if you're thinking about getting on Amazon, it's just the question of doing it now or later. Eventually, if they get big enough, you will have to get on Amazon to represent your brand. Otherwise, somebody else will do it for you. Somebody right. else will resell your stuff and that will be represented that way. But that is an eventual plan to see what will happen, not a right now plan. Right. And I think it goes in a lot of ways. You know, we've talked about Amazon and Amazon wants to be the place that they sell everything to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's a phenomenon. And that's why Walmart is trying to do what Amazon has done. But honestly, I'm not a Walmart customer. Mm -hmm. So from whatever I've perceived about Walmart in the past, it will take a lot to convert me to Walmart. Yeah. Um, even though I'm an online shopper. And I know like at one point we were saying that Ellen DeGeneres did a collaboration with them. And the more they bring on certain, you know, people that will, that might attract me as a customer, for example, it might bring me over to that platform. But if I'm not buying there, that's okay. Cause go ahead. We have access to more places. So Walmart will outdo Amazon with one thing, site to store. So the fact that they have physical places that people can shop is the fact that they will outdo Amazon because Amazon doesn't have that. But, right. You know, like here in Iowa, everybody has access to a Walmart, you know, in the Midwest. Whereas and I you, actually can't tell you where there's a Walmart. Yeah. But you also have other options. Right. You know, so like for you, you have Amazon. We don't even have Amazon Prime now, like, um, you know, that you get it in right. an hour or two hours. We literally, the two days, the best you're ever going to get. That's what we have where I live, but not here in LA. 
Mm -hmm. So that's why is because you are the customer that has access to more things in the metropolitan area, whereas I have access to Walmarts and Targets possibly and the site to store that the convenience is different the, you know, the convenience buying. but Which goes back to the customer avatar, right? Like when you're dreaming that person up and you're thinking about like how much money they have, for example, let's just say Mina and I made the exact same amount of money per Mm -hmm. year, but we live in different places. It's true. The access and convenience. Yeah. Like I just don't have access to different things. And you have to drive really far, let's say, to get to Nordstrom's and any mall I go to around here, I could probably get to a Nordstrom's. Right, right. I have a 30 minute drive, you know, it just makes no sense. That's why Mm -hmm. I love Costco but Sam's Club is closer to me, for right. example. So um, that is just product placement to what is convenient to your customer um, and what is available to them. So when I said about Amazon, like, you know, you need to represent your brand eventually. So let's say, let's go back to the Emma Jean and Co. Since we're, I'm kind of on that whole road right now. <laughs> so eventually, if she were to get on Amazon, it would be because people are searching for her on Amazon, Right. And then she has to fill those shoes because she's realizing, oh, people are searching for my brand on Amazon because I've built it up to this point. She doesn't start there. Right. Which is true. I mean, I've looked up all sorts of things that are expensive, but I can't get it as quickly as I Mm -hmm. need it from the source. Usually it's a return policy. Right. right. And, but then if you get it on Amazon, you're already buying stuff and it's like, oh yes, now I can add on in this hundred dollar, whatever it is, or, you know, and they're supplying it. And I usually do check to see who it's from, you know, is it like mm-hmm. a China, yeah, you know, company sure. or is it say like it's by distributed from Imogene. So mm-hmm. I think when you do that, um, it is a way to do it. So that's true. You know, I'm sure a lot of us have looked up certain things. Like I would say for me, it is beauty products. Always like, you know, you know, it's name brands, you know? Yeah. So like even you'll see Nike on there or whatever else it's because people are searching for those things. Mm -hmm. And, and you, if you're not giving it to them, then somebody else will, you know? Right. So that's a great idea. That's great for place and placement. So the number four P is physical evidence. So it's physical evidence from people, from testimonials. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I like how uh, we phrase this. <laughs> so, <what? laughs> it reminds me of CSI. Did you, you, did you ever go on that trip? It's like physical evidence that they were here. You know, the, what do they call the suspect? suspect? You know, no. Murderer? A, like a perp. The perp, 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 the perp, perp was perp here. Physical evidence that the perp was here. That's what exactly what Gil Grissom would say. So <laughs> it's like, is there physical evidence out there that you exist from testimonials? You know, this is like the, the effect of everywhere I turn, I see Jacqueline and Mina, right? There's physical evidence in a way of us. This is here because we did this collaboration. We did this podcast episode. We, you know, kind of inserted ourselves in, in different ways. So again, like what Jacqueline said, is it, you know, reviews, is it testimonies, is it collaborations, is it seeing into people's houses, different boutiques locally, you know, that's you being there in evidence that you exist. Yeah. And evidence that people want what you sell. Mm-hmm. So I think Validators. that's all, yeah. So I think that's you know if you work with collaborations or if you use have influencers and they talk about that's why they're called influencers, right? So it's physical evidence that somebody else is using it that they know, like, and trust, and then they're they're letting you know about it, and you may be more likely to character witness. <laughs> what else are we going to add to this one? 
<laughs> but what's, what are you, why are you more likely to part with your money? Who do you trust? So you mm. may not know Imogene anymore, mm-hmm. or you may not know Imogene yet. Thank you, Mina, for promoting that <laughs> brand here. <laughs> I'm a fan now. I have her stuff. That's what I'm saying. So if Mina has, if you know, like, and trust Mina, and she mm-hmm. has any sort of influence on you, the listener, and she's talked about Imogene and Co., and you might now think, oh, well, Mina really likes it. And I relate to Mina, right? I, mm-hmm. I like how she shops. I like how she dresses. I like how her, she doesn't have as many crow's feet as... <laughs> <laughs> her skin is okay. <laughs> Not sure if it's the lighting or we'll, <laughs> the we'll go with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So if you, if you do, if you trust that, so that's physical evidence of somebody else that, you know, trying it, talking about it. And then you're thinking, okay, maybe I'll go buy it. Um, mm-hmm. This is not an ad. Like this is just yeah, something this that you just ad. purchased. I like to give, you know, examples. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what it is because this is, like I said, very nebulous and, you know, cerebral and we don't know how to actually put it into action. But when you think about small brands, it's easier to think about, oh, Imogene being on Amazon versus, you know, what does that mean? Nike on Amazon. That just feels unattain- unobtainable. Right. And, you know, again, it comes from, like we said, referrals, user mm-hmm. stories, someone recommending it to you, um, influencers, buzz, press, you end up on the Today Show or Good Morning America, like some of the people in our community. And all of a sudden you're like, as seen on the Today Show, mm-hmm. like made for mama shop, right? Like, yeah, there you go, friend. You know, like it's like Oprah's favorite things. Yeah. You get a you car know, and you get a car. Traditionally, it was physical evidence. Mm-hmm. Clip out that, you know, quarter page feature on you type of thing, right. you know? That's um, actually so how the, my business, that's how Cuffs Couture took off. We you had should have clipped half, that article. Trust me, I have it all. I have it's <laughs> multiple copies <laughs> and scanned in. I had a half a page in People Magazine around mm-hmm. this time of year before Christmas um, of celebrities wearing my cuffs Mm-hmm. And then People Magazine validating it. So I had the celebrities that validated it because they were wearing it. And it was a time of what are celebrities wearing. And then I had People Magazine feature it with a whole half page. Mm-hmm. So half of a page. Yeah. Um, there you go. So two things that were physical evidence of you should trust this. And and whether it worked for the consumer or it worked for me selling, se- sending it to retailers for wholesale orders, right? They're like, ooh, celebrities like this. This company gets press. It's in People Magazine. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should pay attention. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So number five of our five Ps when we're thinking about attracting or repelling our customer actually goes to promotions. Mm-hmm. Promotions. So promotions is kind of the marketing and everything around it. So we're talking about giveaways. It kind of goes into number four as well. Giveaways or sales or promotions or features or blog posts or anything you're basically putting out there. Even ads, if you pay for ads. Right. Organic versus paid. That's a really good Mm -hmm. example. Email marketing, um, SEO marketing, search engine optimization marketing. So all those kind of, we're throwing them into the P of promotions because you're putting it out there, but are you attracting the right people? So like, Mm -hmm. let's say you start doing lives. That's the promotions you're doing is a whole bunch of lives, live events. Let's pretend. Well, who's showing up to them? Is it the people you want to be showing up to them? Are they actually buying? Or is it people that are just perusing and don't really care and happen to be on the internet at that time? Right. So I have a client right now that I'm helping her build her business. 
And she's still in development phase for this apparel line. So it's, it's not out yet, but we've been trying to prime her audience and, and get them to purchase. So we started doing some print on demand product as this initial part, cause she had this huge wave of people come in, but she had nothing to sell them and nothing to start to prime them and in, in wanting to part with their money for her brand. So we did some print on demand, but she had it priced so low mm-hmm. and I made her raise her prices. And I know this goes back to pricing, but she, she's attracting the wrong customer, huh? Yes, because she's going to be a very expensive brand. So I was like, if you're going to sell a sweatshirt, I know that you could sell it for $28, but what does an expensive sweatshirt cost and where can we push it, right? Is it really a $78 sweatshirt? Mm-hmm. I know this goes back to pricing, but it is in her promotions. It's in her marketing because as she's starting to market to these people, right? She does not want them to look at it or she doesn't want to run a sale all the time. For those of you, I know people, when we did rock your holiday promotions, people were like, I don't want to offer sales. I think people are going to expect a discount. There is a difference between every time you go live, you're offering a discount mm-hmm. or offering a monthly discount or offering a discount around a holiday, for example. Um, and so that's when you're thinking about your promotions, it's like, are you, again, are you getting the discount shopper that's coming to look for that because you're promoting discounts all the time and that's your only way to bring people in? Or are people willing to buy it normal, but the way that you're advertising to them, the way that you're promoting your product is enough, right? It speaks their love language. And then they're, you know, they may shop the sale. They may not. They may always be willing to pay you full price. Yeah. And I think the thing that we all have to understand too, is that that threshold thing again, sometimes people want to pay more. I mean, like when you attract the right customer, they want to pay the price. You have the price. Let's take, let's, do the example of your car. Um, so okay. Jacqueline has, I think this is a really good example. It because, is a really good example. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it again? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a Kia Telluride Nightfall Edition. That's a 2021. Mm-hmm. So that Telluride, first of all, scarcity, because you can't just go to a lot and find it, right? So it feels like it's scarce. So the person that finds the scarce thing, if that car dealership was like, guess what? I can throw all this stuff in. It's discounted, blah, blah, blah. That would have been nice to some people, but that Telluride, it's a certain price and you're devaluing it at a certain point. When that person comes on to the parking lot, the uh, sales lot, and they don't need that discount. They want to pay more for it, <laughs> right? So, yeah, so... So the car that I have actually is a car that they have in the ads. So it's like the mm-hmm. Nightfall Edition. It's this green car with all black trim and all this, right? And it's actually the one in the ads, which mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't, I went in for an Explorer, came out with a Telluride. So it's a whole other situation. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted black or white. But people stop you about that car, right? People stop, stop us. People roll other down people windows. Fire to Even have your that husband, car. When your husband yeah. saw it, he was like, whoa. And I was like, I didn't know this and thing I was said, so popular. And I said, we're getting another minivan if we get anything. <laughs> And I will paint the trim black. <laughs> so, but okay, but my husband had done the research. And so he he had known about it and he'd known about the bells and whistles that IKEA comes with and all the stuff, right? So we walk in looking for an explorer. We kind of look at the Telluride and the guy's like, come here. He takes us to the back. It's not even on the floor. I'm not kidding. Not even on the floor. has plastic all over it. He's just told us a story about how two people were bidding, outbidding each other for a black version uh-huh. Like a couple days before, like fighting each other, I'll pay more. No, I'll pay more. Like these are people saying they'll pay more for the car than each other. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this isn't even on the floor yet. So one, it's scarcity. And I'm like, 
oh yeah, nobody's seen this yet. Like, okay, mm-hmm. let's look at this, you know? Yeah. Then they told us to get in the car and they showed us all of the features and it has everything. Everything but- you never even knew you needed to talk about desires and wants. You think a charger is going to cut that? It has like a charge. No, no. It has like a charger. You know, the ones where you can lay your phone on. It has a charger that you just lay your phone on. You don't have to plug it into anything, all sorts of things. So we get in and we do it. We say, okay, we look at the ticket price. And wait, wait, you're missing a core piece here. The other, to preface this all, Jacqueline is going to drive cross country with her family and she's scared about this whole adventure right? She's driving from New Jersey to California. So she's thinking, well, we didn't get an RV. How can we go across the country in the best way possible that everybody feels safe, but we feel like we're on an adventure? Yeah. Yeah. So to you friends last year, my Ford, I have a Ford edge. That's not an all wheel drive because it was bought in LA and brought over to New Jersey. I got stuck in the snow, had to abandon my car and have my neighbors come rescue me. So my whole goal was also finding an all-wheel drive car. So I was like, can it drive in the snow? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's safety, there was convenience, there was leisure, there was pleasure, there was all this stuff. Plus it was be- a beautiful car. It's called Desires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the promotional part of it, right? The, the advertising. Now we bought the car that's in the ads. Okay. Yeah. So when they put it in an ad, it's like top tier. It's the one you want, but you can't get it. The Same physical thing. Like, evidence. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's a nightfall edition. It's a special edition. It's not the ones that the regular tell you rides. It's a special. And we still haven't seen one as we've driven across the country, like the same kind that we have. So the promotions, the endorsements, the, the advertising, all the stuff around this car, even like where it's placed and the way they talked about it attracted us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then if you want to go back to price, there's the sticker price, but all of these cars are going for over asking and we paid for over asking. I've never paid for over asking. <laughs> You're supposed to get discounts. This is why I wanted to give the example <laughs> because it's such a good example. Also, this is the exact opposite of what anyone teaches you about going to buy a car. It just tells you tolerance and consumer buying because we buy what we want and there's always layers to that story, right? That come in product position, uh, positioning the price in a certain way that you saw it and it was off the floor, that there's physical evidence of it being an ad, people wanting it, people fighting over it. Telling me that people are fighting over it. I'm yeah. like, ooh, I need what they want. Now I want to add a different layer to the story. Um, so when Kia first came out, they were not at all what people wanted. Mm-mm. Not at all. People thought something was wrong. Why is there's this hundred thousand uh, mile warranty? You know what's happening? Is it subpar? All these things. But they still persisted, right? They kept going. They started attracting the right people, proving what they had, and then, like a decade later, I want to say they came mm-hmm. out with the Nightfall because that was a different tier. I want to bring up this story because people think they can go straight to the nightfall when they're bringing stuff out and they can't if they haven't proven the concept in the market. You know, well, like a good example is my mom had a Mercedes, a really expensive Mercedes, mm-hmm. got divorced, couldn't mm-hmm. afford a Mercedes again, but was able to af- afford a Kia. I forget what car she had, but the their coupe or whatever it was, but she loved it because it made her feel like she was in the Mercedes. Because mm-hmm. all of the technology within the car met her needs, wants, and desires, right? And and but it was at the right price for her. Mm-hmm. So while she aspired for the Mercedes and she was that customer, she could no longer be that customer. So they met a need that she wanted. And now cut to again, that was probably like eight years ago. Her daughter, 
when, when I was going in to buy a car, she's like, you know, look at the Kias. They're really great inside. And now it's a thing where like the consumer reports, my car is the number one car in the consumer reports. Yeah. Right. Um, but the thing is though, when Kia was first coming out, they're not going to be able to compete in the luxury car market against Mercedes. They didn't have the clout at that time. Right. You know? And they're moving their way up there or they're finding people like me that I would have bought an Explorer because Explorer also used to not be mm-hmm, right. what Explorer is now. As part of it is all, both of these cars, they did the lettering across the front, which is kind of like the Range Rover. Yeah. So the product, right? The design of the product, people who aspired for a Range Rover, but maybe couldn't buy the Range Rover, but they liked the look and the body and all that stuff, but the price was right for them and the promoting of it. Yeah. You know, Jeep is different. Like if someone who drives a Jeep, it's like the outdoors and my friend owns a, um, what's the other outdoorsy car? Oh, the Hummer. <laughs> <laughs> 1990 called. 1990 called. Okay. But also I want to go back to the Range Rover because I okay. actually love the Land Rover. Mm-hmm. And that's probably my car that I really, really love. My husband does not love this. Why? Because he associates it with the Kardashians. Oh, silly man. Those are, they have like G rides. They have, yeah. tell them they have Mercedes <laughs> G wagons. But in his mind, it's a different perception, right? They have attracted me and they've repelled him in a way, right? Mm-hmm. But it's only because of the physical evidence, the Kardashians, right? So I'll probably eventually wear him down, but otherwise he'll wear me down in this Kia Nightfall or whatever it is. But that just goes to show you consumer buying in the, the dynamic of, uh, the big purchases of like of a household. Yeah. And actually that is the same. I've always liked them, but then as a mom that wanted more seats in my car and less, the Range Rover was not one that could fit our lifestyle. So it's the Subaru. My best friend has a Subaru. Mm-hmm. Okay. Subaru. So was it the Hummer? <laughs> no, it was not the Hummer. Sorry. Subaru to me has not yet, Kia's kind of crossing over into the luxury vehicle market in mm-hmm. a way. Their design is terrible. Subaru or Kia? Subaru. But but Subaru is for the outdoor market. So maybe it's the person who wants a Jeep that maybe has their secondary car and it's a Subaru because they're the active lifestyle. You could fit a kayak on top of it, right? They're attracting their customer. Yeah. And then Mina sitting here and saying the design is terrible. And one of you might own a Subaru and (laughs) my best friend loves her Subaru. I know. That's okay. I actually, I'm so drawn to the Subaru because- And you have multiple minivans and I can't, so- Right, which is only for right now because you know we yeah. also make decisions based off of our um, our phase in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will not own anything besides a minivan while my kids are young because one, I'm a terrible driver. Two, they they <laughs> literally hit every car that's next to them. And three, I don't want to have to buckle them up every time. You know, it's, and it's convenience and it meets your needs, and that's like yeah. the product and the design of it, right? right? And then the price and the physical evidence of them probably showing you commercials, well, the promotions and stuff of like, look at the door that opens and closes by itself, and mom yeah. doesn't have to do it anymore. The kids don't have to get out of their car seats. So yeah, but I hope who has the best safety ratings. That's what draws me to it. Like it stops, and then have you ever seen Subaru's commercials? They're probably the best emotionally hitting commercials I've ever seen for you. Yeah. That's but not cool. for me. Really? Because the Kia commercial, they were like on the off-road, right? You see the car like driving through the dirt and they're like looking and you're like, are they oh, on an adventure? Oh, really? That's so funny. My wait. one where they pass the Subaru to the teenager when she turns 16. <laughs> no, yeah, no, not me. So they're like on the great outdoor road, right? And then you see this kid get out of the car and rescue his dog because they were actually looking for the dog. So it was like <laughs> they weren't really outdoorsy people. They were looking for their dog. And that's me. 
wow, Kia, you know, well played, Winning. well played. Because <laughs> they attracted me. And I'm like, meh, kid doesn't need to get this. We'll buy a new car. <laughs> yeah. We, we might need to find a dog because, you know, Hunter yeah. goes, we, we might need to go find him. We need a Kia Nightfall to actually do this. And also like a family <laughs> that prioritizes their pets, right? Yeah, like that right. idea of like the family comes together and goes and looks for that dog. So, and mm-hmm. then maybe they have a different, you know, what's his name? Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right. Like, <laughs> Lincoln. He, he drives Lincoln. He's like, I'm, you know, I'm so classy and driving in the city, but I'm also like a down to earth dude. Uh-huh. You know, because they're not attracting you and me, the mom. They are not because like literally in that, the whole commercial with that is him looking all glistened from um, running in, you know, the outdoors, like on a trail. And he's like going and he's like, you could tell he's like built and cut and, you know, high achieving and all these things and successful. Then he gets in the car to drive back to the city because that's what life is like, you know? Right. Or, and you'll never see a Range Rover ad of mom throwing all the kids in the car (laughs) and packing the back with all the sports equipment. And like, you know, that's Range Rover is not going for the mom Mm -hmm. with kids, you know? Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know where we started, but we got to cars, but it is a good example. So the way I cannot believe, I mean, this will be something, I don't even think we told my father-in-law that we paid over asking because he's a car guy, but (laughs) you can see just in Mina and I talking about cars. And I want you to think of this too, as you're going through it. Um, So I just want to go back over the five P's of whether you're attracting or repelling your customer. Okay. So it's your product and your process of production. So the product and all the things around your product. The number two is the price. Number three is the place and the placement of your product. Number four is the physical evidence, which includes testimonials, influencers. Are do people? What did you say? Um, they know you exist. It's like yeah, know you exist, but reinforce you existing as well. Mm-hmm. And number five is promotions. How are you letting people know? Whether it's discounts, whether it's emails. Um, are you you know? Are you doing giveaways? Are you offering a free product or, you know, buy this and you get a free gift inside or a sample? Like you have salespeople? Yeah. So that's promotion. So again, my friends, think about it as a magnet. There's your customer and the other side is the five Ps. And are you pulling them towards you or are you repelling them? And whatever it is, it's okay. Or if a few things need to be rearranged here, it'll help attract more of the customers that are willing to part with their money and buy your product again and again and again. Mm -hmm. One last thing before we go, we created this podcast as a reminder, you are not alone. Growing a product business is hard and we want to help you through it. So thank you for listening because we truly appreciate it. We do appreciate it. And we want to give a special shout out to those of you that take the time and leave us a positive review. Thank you. Thank you. We read every single one of them. We get excited and we'll actually call each other. And it includes this one from Crystal. So Crystal says, packed with information. These ladies are a gold mine. I'm so glad I found them. The podcasts are great and the lives are awesome. And that's from Crystal of Crystal's Creation. So thank you so much. These mean so much to us and they really help us reach more business which is our mission. And she shouted out the lives and said they were awesome. We haven't had somebody refer to those before. So thank you for saying that, Crystal. We really appreciate it. Hey friend, just a quick reminder to sign up for the Best Seller Secrets Challenge. It's a five-day, totally free week of trainings, private Facebook group, and daily live Q&As with us. 
We don't want you to miss out on this opportunity to get really clear and focus on what you need to sell to grow a profitable, sustainable, and solid business. Head over to www.bestsellersecretschallenge.com and click on the link in the show notes today, right now.